This is Kari Gale. And this is Tony Critz. Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. Okay, we're recording. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, hi, this is Tony. And this is Kari. Uh, and this is Pilgrim Lost Podcast. And today we are enjoying a glass of wine while we talk. Of Rioja. <laughs> Rioja. <laughs> Which is one of my very favorite wines. So That's when why you I got it. showed up with that bottle, I was very excited. So today we're going to be discussing sort of the genesis of this podcast idea and how we kind of came up with it and how we ended up. And um, one of the things that you'll learn um, if you listen to us much is that Kari and I are old friends um, and that we've known each other for years. And... Old as in long time friends, but we are also old. <laughs> <laughs> Young of spirit. Young of spirit. <laughs> old of body. <laughs> Creaky knees and bad bad hips. I don't know if you have bad hips. I have bad hips, but yes. Young of heart. Let's go back to that. Okay. And I'm having an olive. And I'm having a sip of this wine. Mm. So maybe we could start, Kari, by just uh, telling a few minutes about how you got into trekking. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I I would never have thought of it that way. Um, I grew up doing some backpacking and even though in the last few years I realized there was only a few trips that I went on as a child but they impacted me greatly and it was a period of time where it was something that my father dearly loved and so those times sort of cemented themselves going outdoors and walking and backpacking was felt like a very connecting time with my family and so I always considered myself a backpacker, but I really wasn't. There was only just a handful of moments that that actually happened. Then when I was married, my ex-husband um, was also a big outdoorsy guy. And we both sort of connected over the idea of hiking and backpacking. And um, although, sadly, over the course of our 12-year marriage, we only went a handful of times again. But those really were some of the best times of our marriage. And um, so after, um, after sort of, well, the fallout of my divorce, uh, it, was, it was kind of around the period of time that, well, actually, I have to backtrack. It was during the time of our separation. Um, someone had gone to see the movie The Way. And if you're not familiar with The Way, most of you m- might have heard about it, but it's a, it's a movie made by Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez about the Camino. And a friend of my sister and I uh, had invited us to go see this movie. And my sister and I both lived in Spain when we were in college. And so we went to this movie sort of remembering a little bit about what the Camino was, but not really knowing. Went to the movie, came out of the movie, and felt compelled. It wasn't a compelling, like, we want to go walk and trek. It was, I want to go have this experience. Right. So 
I ended up trekking not because I wanted to go trek necessarily, but because I wanted to engage in the moments that I'd seen on the screen or approach some, I knew that I needed to have some sort of um, connection with what had happened. And I didn't really know what it would be, but um, it also was very definitively a carrot that I held in front of myself as I walked through the the very deep valleys of divorce. So it was this thing I was looking forward to. Mm. So it's interesting that I didn't really associate it necessarily with trekking, but it was more the experience. But then, of course, when I got there, the the trekking is a huge part of that. So I don't know if that fully answers your question, but um, it was a combination of needing needing something to focus my energies on, but then also triggering back to, I knew that I'd had these really great connections with not only my family and my ex-husband, so somehow that maybe that that fed into that. So um, it was a time of personal processing, very deep, some pain at the time, and then you and your sister went off to Spain and you walked the community of Santiago. Absolutely. And it became, um, it became, I've called it sort of uh, a period, it was, it was, a friend really stated it very well when she said it was sort of, uh, someone said, was it, is it like a, the, the break you need between kind of the, what was and what was to be? Hmm. And um, like a period and a sentence, like here's an ending and now here's a beginning. And I, th- I thought of it more with a comma. <laughs> more of a pause between the old me and the new me or what I'd hoped what I hoped the new me would be so it was really this this um it was a ceremony for me that whole period of time was a ceremonial time for me of the ending of my marriage so it was um it was a it was a rebirth it was a absolutely starting of a new chapter but even just a new story absolutely and I, I've said a lot to a lot of people that Americans are really, really good at um, celebration. We're, we're good at weddings and baby showers and all these things that hearken something really good happening. But we're really, really shitty at grieving. We don't know how to do it. We don't know how to walk mm-hmm. with people through it. And when the only thing marking the ending of a 12-year marriage is a piece of paper that you get mailed... Uh, I needed to create ceremony around it. I mm. needed to create an ending and something that I could mark that period with something significant. And so certainly a 500 mile walk, a, a trek is something significant. And that's what I needed. And for those who don't know, a uh, 500 mile walk, can you just kind of give sort of the broad overview of what it looks like to go on the Camino? Yeah. It's very, that's a very broad. <laughs> well, like how long does it take and yeah. where do you walk? I mean, what's the route basically and just. Well, so really, really overview um, would be uh, the Camino is a pilgrimage route that starts. Well, it starts really all over Europe, but the one that is most well known that is represented in the movie that I saw is called the Camino Frances because this path starts in France and walks in and goes over the border of France and goes through the northern part of Spain. Including Rioja. In- exactly. The region of Rioja, which I was really excited about. Um, and ends in, in the city of Santiago de Compostela. And so you can walk for a, 10 days. You can walk. There's no rules to it, but uh, the, 
that when someone generally says, "Have did you walk the whole thing? They usually mean, have you walked the 500 miles from the border of France to the to Santiago de Compostela. And there are multiple routes. There's 12 main routes and all sorts of other little windy routes. So, and that's a whole nother conversation that we don't necessarily need to get into today, but it certainly, I think for a lot of people, including myself, the Camino is is their first introduction to trekking. Um, I think partly too, because in, in the United States, we don't have, we have long, we have hiking, you know, you go on a backpacking trip for two or three days and you have through hiking which is what a lot of us in the west coast know from the pct someone's hiking from mexico to canada and it's this very very epic event that you kind of have to be a true badass to go and do on your own which i am not um and it's it's sort of a revolution to know that in europe there are paths where you can you can have kind of a through hiking experience, but you have a bed and you have food mm-hmm. and you have the comforts of a hostel um, and company. So it's a very different experience. So right. it's, um, and we don't have anything like that in the United States. We have long through hiking paths, the, a- the Appalachian Trail, the, and then we have the PCT, but we don't really have anything like that. So a lot of people feel they have to leave, which they kind of do to do get the trekking experience that I did, which is walking every day, but staying in a hostel along the way. And that, that experience, that first time walking the Camino de Santiago was a, was a turning point in your life. I mean, you started to integrate regular pauses like that into your life as a part of your personal rhythms, right? Absolutely. I came back from the, from that experience knowing that I needed to, not even that I needed to, but that I wanted to maybe want and need to needed to have spaces in my life where I could take those breaks and separate myself from the daily rhythm of life and work as I knew it. Um, and really over the course of the last few years have radically shifted my life to be able to try to do that on a regular basis. My goal would be able to be to do it yearly, to take a month or two months and go walk in a, whether it would be an isolated place or a Camino-esque place, um, because I feel like what I learned in those periods of time was so important to me, and that sort of led me to to shift and change and do a lot of things differently in my life. And I'm still struggling with that. <laughs> they haven't really happened totally, but, but um, for example, the tiny house that we record in is part of that process of simplifying my life so that I don't have to earn as much money, so that I could go travel more which always includes some sort of a trek if I can, if I can make it happen. Um, there really isn't any traveling that I do that isn't based around wanting to do a trek. So. And um, since my wife and I know you well, or fairly well, and uh, know your ex-husband well, and um, uh, it was really this, your process was really important to us, you know, as, as both you and your ex-husband were processing that transition. You know, we cared about you a lot, and I was certainly super interested in in, in what you did and how you did it. And um, you really influenced me. I mean, you you really inspired me in that area, and 
which I actually didn't even know until you were up, you were like ready to go. And you, you contacted me and said, Hey, can we sit down and have a beer? And I was so surprised because uh, that's one of the things that I love about you is that you can be so spontaneous and off you go. And whereas, so my sister and I planned for and walked for a year and a half before we went on our trek, partly because my sister is the queen of planning. And so, and we also needed to do some training and certain things. She was, she was wanting to lose some weight before we went on our walk. So I was in the middle of my divorce. So it helped to have this long period of planning time. So when you were came to me and said, Hey, I think you were like, I'm leaving in a week or something like that. (laughs) I was like, Oh, Oh, you are. That's so cool. Tell me more about it. Yeah. So, um, so I'd heard from you about it and, and that was my first major introduction to the community of Santiago, even though I had lived in Europe and I've traveled a lot and I've had a lot of life experiences, really value experiences over things as a general theme of my life. Uh, I was, I was so intrigued by the idea. And I think a lot of it was the disconnecting, the, Mm. the, the disciplined disconnecting from life in this long period of time and that and that there's this thing that's been around for a thousand years that is set up for exactly that experience I thought was fascinating and beautiful and and then I was writing a novel and my and my protagonist in my novel needed needed to go to Europe it's sort of a long story but I was like oh it'd be perfect for my protagonist to go on the Camino as I'm writing this novel and so I, I interviewed you about that so I could try and put some you know that's right. That details, was the first connection. I forgot about the, that. The real details about his experience on the Camino. Um, but then uh, it really was. It was last spring and Amy and I were walking on the beach and I was expressing this frustration because I had heard about somebody who was going on the Camino de Santiago. And quite frankly, my feeling was they don't deserve to go. Like I deserve <laughs> to go on this thing. And this person says, oh, I'm going, I'm leaving. I was like, God, that sucks. And so I was talking to my wife, Amy, about it. And she's like, well, let's just go check flights. And we literally went back to the hotel. We were staying at the beach. And there was a like a $400 flight to France. And she just said, buy it. It was like a month, month out. And I just bought a ticket. And... Uh, that was about the extent of my planning for it. And then I came back and I think I did a total of maybe 50 miles of walking before I left, um, which is, that's two days, three days on the Camino. And, uh, and I was like, I'm just going to go. And, uh, I didn't even have a backpack. I had, I had to use my wife's backpack because I didn't even <laughs> own one. And, um, so I went and really, I did no research. I didn't have any, I didn't have a book to guide me on the thing. I just, Showed up in France. Okay, can I ask you a question, though? Yeah. Isn't there a part of you, Tony Cruz, that really <laughs> likes not being prepared so you can just wing it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Because the amount of mental energy it takes to feel like you have it figured out mm. is actually more of a burden than I want to carry. Mm. I would much rather exist with the with the accepting the fact I just don't know what's going on. And I can only really plan 15 minutes in the future that's all i can really plan for and i just have to trust it and one thing that's beautiful about the camino de santiago is the fact that it really lends itself to that because except for when you're trying to get to the start that is true (laughs) and i had 
I had significant problems because I flew into Lyon, France, and there's really no way to get from Lyon to um, to the trailhead. And so it, it ended up being two days of no sleep and buses and standing next to the to the highway in the middle of the night. And it was so when I arrived in St. Jean at the trailhead, I arrived in the afternoon and I was just like, screw it. I'm going to just start walking, which is the dumbest thing in the world to do. I, I just was like, I was exhausted. I hadn't really eaten in a couple of days. So I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I didn't know that the first day is all uphill. But um, so I walked it, um, had so loved the signposts that tell you where to walk and mm. the freedom of just releasing your mind and letting your body go and just walking and getting up every morning at 6.30 and packing your pack and dressing your feet and grabbing a cup of coffee and then heading out and just walking four or five hours a day. I loved it. And uh, I came back. That was a, that was over a year ago now. Mm. Wow. It's been and a year. I know. And when I returned, again, having, having lived more than my share of adventures in my life, having seen more of the world than any person probably has a right to see, I was shocked by how moved I had been by the experience. Mm. And not and not like I could point to anything specific. Like you were in this really s- specific mourning process. Right. And for me, um, certainly I, there was some personal pain in it. Um, and I just lost my parents the, the years before I went. And um, there were some things where I had really sort of lost some personal life motivation that I was processing on the trip. But more than anything, I just missed the experience of walking. So I came back and I know you make fun of me about this, but I just, I just can't stop walking. Like I, I just, <laughs> if I don't have a particularly busy day or whatever, if I've got a few appointments around the city, I'll just, I'll just throw on my backpack and I'll walk around the city and I'll walk, you know, 10 miles in a day pretty normally if, as part of my life back here in Portland. And, uh, and I've just, I've, I've gotten so much out of that. Mm-hmm. And then, and this, this gets to Pilgrim Lost and, uh, I was walking a couple of months ago, and I remember I was walking across the Broadway Bridge. I was in the middle of the Broadway Bridge, crossing Willamette River here in Portland, Oregon. And it was a beautiful day, and the sun was glistening off the river. And there's, you've got the, um, to your left, you've got the big buildings of downtown Portland. To your right, you have all the new glitzy um, condos of the Pearl. And I'm, I'm walking across, and I'm just thinking to myself partially you know i want to go back how can i get back how can i get back to spain and then i i had this moment where i was like man there's so much privilege i have so much privilege in my life and to be able to up and go and to have a wife and a family that are willing to go yeah go for a month and just go walk if that's good for your soul and um and realize that so many people don't have that you know so many of my friends that i talk to about my experiences on the Camino, they're like, I could never do that. My, my spouse would never let me go. My work would never let me go. My responsibilities would never let me go. I, I don't know that I could ever afford to go. And I was like, there's something magical about walking the Camino. Would you agree? Absolutely. And if there is, in fact, something magical, which I'm convinced there is, and I've talked to enough people that have gone, then it must be rooted in something inherently human. 
And if it's, if it's rooted in something inherently human, something inherent to the way that we've been made as creatures, then it can't be reserved for the privileged. It cannot be reserved for just people who have money and time and opportunity. The, the, the experiences, the themes must be part of everyday life. And this is something that I care about and I care about it uh, for myself, but also for my friends and for humanity that, that we would live lives of sort of in hopeful motion. Mm. So that's when I called you and I was like, Carrie, I've got this idea, like what would have, you know, what would it look like for you and I to try and spend some time publicly with the microphone turned on discussing like, is it, what, what is it that's going on? And is there a way to bring that home? Is there a way to bring that into everyday life? Is there a way to bring that into a 40-hour-a-week job life? Is there mm. a way to bring that into, you know, in normal town USA, the themes of personal transformation or at least exploring the possibility, the hope of wholeness? And that's sort of, that's sort of when I brought it to you. And when I brought it to you, what did you, what did you think well, I, I immediately wanted to be part of the conversation, whatever that looked like, partly because that is what I, I mean, I went for the first time in 2013. And then over the course of the next year and a half, dreamed about going back and then ended up getting, um, getting laid off, which I'd been hoping for <laughs> secretly and working towards getting laid off so I could get a severance package. And I ended up selling everything I owned, literally, except for like three boxes of books in someone's garage. And I went back and I walked the Camino again and I walked the Camino Portugues. And then I traveled for a total of 15 months, sort of in that hope of recapturing it and realizing that I couldn't recapture even being away and traveling 100% of the time, there was something still that was not, it became life again. It became uh, when people would, people have this sort of idealistic view of people that travel all the time. And we, we see the Instagram photos and we hear the stories, we read the blogs and we think, wow, that's, that's magical. But really it became it became my routine, but there was still something that I was longing to bring from the Camino to that. And it ended up coming home because I, I was still struggling to find it. And, um, so I had had even a better chance, a bigger chance to go and sort of reclaim that again. And, um, I didn't, I didn't find it. And I'm still seeking that that wholeness, that centeredness, that connection that I felt with myself and with the divine. And it feels elusive to me. It feels just out of reach. There are moments when I experience. Um, so there's a phrase that if you've read any of C.S. Lewis's books, you'll, you'll be familiar with, but that he, he calls it being surprised by joy, where you have that moment of, of almost, uh, it's it's that joy that comes without the seeking and i i feel like i had that on the camino and i'm constantly trying to find ways to find it here and um 
And so that conversation, being invited into that conversation felt really important. Not that I, a thing I, I appreciated most about it was not that we had answers, but that we were, we were the ones with the questions. And also that almost every person I've talked to that had this, uh, that's either walked the Camino or had some sort of kind of mountaintop experience comes back and feels the weight of the gravity in the valley and, and doesn't know how to transition back into that space. And so if we're experiencing it at this level, other people are too. And I think that they would appreciate that conversation. So it felt like just sort of a, a conversation I always, I already was having and making it a little bit more public. So I was really excited to be invited into this journey with you. Um, so yeah. And uh, as we talk about it, you know, so much of this is, you know, we're, we're people with lives, you know, and um, I'm a writer and a filmmaker and it's a lot that I'm doing out in the world and you're an artist and a, and a creative and, um, and wanting to bring these experiences and these languages to bear on this process, but also when I when I tell people about the Camino, and they can be twenty five, they can be seventy five. Inevitably, they they say, "I want to do that." It's, they light up, right? Yeah, that's that's on that's now on my bucket list. I want to I want to go do that sometime. And um, and great, great. I I would very much encourage people. To, if they if they're able to to have the experience, but I I don't want. I want to begin to talk about how you don't have to wait two years or five years or ten years to have an experience. Um, that that there's a lifestyle that we hope to foster and hope to explore, and um, pilgrim loss is just a chance for us to to build some intentionality into the process because we both want to do it. It's just a question of finding the time and the intention to do it. And that's, that's the hope. Absolutely. And so we're going to, we're going to invite friends in and turn the microphone on and talk to them about their life. And one thing that, um, one thing that's really important uh, for Kari and I is that trekking and pilgriming are two different things. Mm. Uh, trekking is long distance walk, like walking the community of Santiago is sort of, it's distilled pilgriming. It's this very, very specific, very, very intense experience. But that is not pilgriming. Uh, the life of a pilgrim is a is is a lifestyle, and it can happen anywhere. That's that's our foundational belief that we want to try and explore. Um, how to do that, and what does that look like, and what does it look like to put themes of that you experience in a specific way when trekking, but how to bring those themes into everyday life. Very well said. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we hope you come with us and and uh, experience being lost mm. and being a pilgrim. And I, when Tony um, penned, I don't know if you penned it before you said it, because usually you just say things in there. Awesome. But this, this life and hopeful motion, I think, is really key um, because that that sort of encompasses... Exploring life in hopeful motion encompasses what we hope will come out of this for ourselves and for you, for our listeners.
Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.